Hey, it's Heidi with episode 65. Oh, I love interviewing female CEOs. And this week, I talked to Modern Fertility CEO Afton Vetchery. Y'all, she was in 30 under 30 and 40 under 40 and raised $22 million in private equity to build Modern Fertility. This CEO is a change maker in women's health women's empowerment, women's study, all things women, like hashtag goals, right? This episode is launching because I feel like the products at Modern Fertility should be the top of everyone's list to give an amazing gift this season to someone that you love. Now, Afton used to work for 23andMe. This product at-home fertility testing, asking questions when you're young about fertility. Like for me, this is like way cooler than the 23andMe gift for the holiday season. So I can't wait to dig into this episode and for every one of you to learn something today about your fertility and how we can take even greater charge of it, regardless of where you're at in your journey. Okay. Are you ready for it? Let's listen to Afton. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and absorbing all of the information that you need for an amazing pregnancy and birth. My pregnancy guidebook and journal called Birth Story is available at birthstory.com. And as a listener of this podcast, I want you to have $5 off. Like I want you to listen to this podcast and engage with the book. So just use code birthstorypodcast when you get to check out. It is my thank you for supporting me. This pregnancy guidebook and journal is the best gift for you or anyone you know that is expecting. It's a 42 week by week guide to your pregnancy. It has birth affirmations, weekly journaling prompts with a full page for journaling every single week. It has all of the information that you need to connect to your pregnancy and have an empowered birth. So thanks for shopping at birthstory.com. Don't forget to use code birthstorypodcast for your $5 off. It's also available on Amazon, or if you prefer the audiobook, you can download it on your Audible app or at audible.com. Now, let's get to this amazing episode. 
All right, Afton Vetchery, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Before we dig in, listeners, family, I want you to listen to this episode with Afton. And the first thing I want to be on your mind is who can I share this episode with about fertility that it would be impactful for? And I really want you to think about some of your younger friends too. So today we're going to dig into everything from Eganar's to accessibility of one-on-one contact with fertility nurses and really making the conversation about fertility mainstream with Modern Fertility CEO and founder, Afton Vetchery. Thank you so much for having me. You're speaking my language. This is great. Excellent. Well, to make it fun and before we dig in, I would like to know a little bit about who you are, like all the personal stuff that like maybe just doesn't get put out there too often. Yeah, well, you know, you're right, because I always answer that question with just the full update on modern fertility. So let's see, who who am I? So I am a recent puppy owner. I have a, a new um, puppy amidst COVID, which is just so fun because she's adorable. Her name is Monster. I love bike riding. It's the one thing. I'm very type A, and I just like to, to go, 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 work a lot, just always going. And biking is the one thing that I can do where if you are just not fully concentrated on the road, you're, you're done. And so I just, I love doing it and having the space and just seeing where my, my mind wanders. Yeah. I think between, you know, puppy dog and modern fertility and my, my awesome fiance, Zach, life is surprisingly packed amidst the the pandemic. So feeling very grateful that we have a, a mission to continue to serve, but, but really, you know, I think for, for all of us, the, all of us, the state of the world right now really puts everything in perspective. Yeah. So Afton, where's home for you now and where did you grow up? Yeah. So I am recording now from San Francisco, California, where the whole city is under construction. So if you hear a, a couple um, knocks, uh, that's, that's why. But I actually grew up in rural Maryland in Woodbine, Maryland, uh, outside of, of Baltimore and DC, but I went to school in North Carolina. So I went to, to Wake Forest University and studied uh, neuroscience and business there. And I have so many girlfriends that are living, I think where you are in Charlotte and just all up and down, all over North Carolina. And I still go back there a good amount and I, I love it. Well, I'm really excited to dig in a little bit more about modern fertility and really like This is a birth story podcast. And so like, you know, not to be too cheesy, but really talking about like the birth of your company, the story behind it, how we got to this place, right? Where you're featured in 30 under 30 and 40 under 40. These really big titles for someone so young. I understand that this is maybe like not even your first venture to into business. And so, gosh, I have a lot of questions for you, but I'm going to start with one that's kind of fun. What is your favorite restaurant and where in the world is it? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question because I love food so much. My favorite restaurant in San Francisco is probably this is going to be this is going to be sad but it's called Salumeria and it's in the Mission and it's shut down right now amidst COVID, but it just it has these amazing overpriced salads and sandwiches, but it has this this beautiful kind of like indoor outdoor patio where I, I do feel guilty for, for bringing my laptop and, and kind of posting up shop in the corner. But it's just like the perfect San Francisco sunshine and just uh, down the street from my house and a way to get away. 
And so, yeah, next time uh, you're in San Francisco, Salumeria, but, but make sure it's open first because it's, it's so good. <laughs> okay. I like it. We'll link to it in the show notes. So how old are you, Afton? Yeah. So I am, oh gosh, I have to think about this for a sec. I am 31 years old. Okay. Because I noticed that you were in 30 under 30 and then 40 under 40. So I was like, how far under 40 are you? So 31. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It, you know, that transition was was bittersweet. The, the joke with all of my friends is that I'm, I'm, I'm turning 29 forever and that I just, I want to keep turning a year younger every year. So it was a huge honor to be named in, in 40 under 40, uh, but, but a funny, funny transition amongst my, my friends. <laughs> It is. Well, I'm going to actually, if it's okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to some of those articles in the show notes too, because I just think they're really fun, like gives a little bit more perspective about you. You are all over my Instagram and Facebook like feed. I mean, it's like modern fertility, modern fertility, great placement of sponsored ads. I mean, I think I'm like probably high up in the target audience here, like always talking about pregnancy, doula, fertility, mom, all those keywords that go into our targeted placements. But that's really how I first heard about you was really strategically through social media, which I'm sure is a big part of your plan. I want to like hear this whole story from beginning kind of to the middle. I'm not going to say we're at the end of this. We're like still kind of the beginning to beginning. Yeah, beginning (laughs) to beginning. But how in the world does a 20-something-year-old think of starting a fertility company? That's a great question. And I have to tell you, so many of the investors that I pitched up front had no idea what a fertility company even was. And telling them that we were going to start a fertility company for women that weren't actively trying to conceive, the number of blank stares that I got was off the charts. But but yeah, I, I think that's a great place to start. So my introduction to the infertility space was actually back in my first job out of college, graduating from Wake and, and North Carolina, I, I moved to, to New York City and worked for a healthcare private equity fund. My job at the time was to identify sectors of healthcare that were interesting, growing, had some consolidation potential. And so because of my personal interest, I ended up spending a lot of time in women's health. And in women's health, I started looking at all of these different components and kind of stumbled upon fertility, infertility, And I I really started digging in and looking at the numbers. And so infertility from a private equity perspective, so investing lots of money in hopes of growing and making more money was really attractive because it was self-pay. This was money coming out of women's and, and couples' pockets. It was rapidly growing. More and more women, more and more couples were experiencing infertility. So all of these things that weren't that great from kind of a a consumer trends perspective were really great from a finance perspective. So I ended up leading the diligence in a roll-up of IVF clinics and labs all across the US. And so through that process, I learned the the business of infertility. I learned the science of infertility, uh, but it was really the emotional aspect that stuck with me. I had to go into the waiting rooms of these infertility clinics and I would just talk to, to women who had never been told that fertility declined with age or had never been told that IVF wouldn't work for, for every single person going through the process. And so, you know, that was my first job out of school. I was probably, you know, 22 at the time. And I don't think that I, I really understood the, the magnitude of the fact that I was having conversations that I probably wouldn't be having with my girlfriends for another decade. And so it, it kind of really stayed with me in this impactful way. And I decided to leave finance and ended up moving out to, to San Francisco and joining the, the earliest possible company I could find. Uh, it was an autism 
behavior phenotyping company, helping diagnose young kids with autism. But I ended up working at a variety of kind of personalized medicine, healthcare companies, most recently 23andMe. And when I was at 23andMe, I was a product manager there running their consumer tools division. So anything you could do with your genetic data, I realized that I was waiting until later in life to start my own family. And I remembered those baseline tests that I had learned about back in private equity years prior. And I went to my OBGYN and I said, hey, can you, can you order this panel of tests for me? And he said, no, you're not actively trying and failing to conceive. I'm not going to order these tests for you. You should just try first and then you know, we'll go from there. And you know, taking a step back, I, I just... And thinking through it now, like that's not right. We shouldn't have, you know, eight couples all try to get pregnant for a year, one out of eight, it's just not going to work for it. And then, and only then that's when we start to have a conversation, like that's not good enough. And so I, I went into an infertility clinic, paid out of pocket for a consult, got my script to go to a lab for a quest and get a blood draw, got the results. I got a diagnosis with PCOS along the way. So it was, took me a couple of months to, to pinpoint that day three. But when I got the results, having that conversation with myself, my partner, my doctor was just so impactful and thinking through my own timeline. But sharing the results of this, hearing from friends, friends of friends, and eventually hundreds of women that said, hey, I want this information too. That was the aha moment for modern fertility, that realization that we're at a a point in time where women are demanding more access to information about their bodies so that they can own it and use it to make the decisions that are right for them. Yeah, I can hear that you were like, I just can't be quiet about this, right? So (laughs) (laughs) were you looking to start a business or was it just something that was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm so passionate about this. I have to do something or maybe a mixture of both. Yeah, so, you know, when I was at 23andMe, I joined when they were shut down by the FDA and I was part of the team that helped to, to relaunch that FDA cleared experience. And so that was, such an incredible process to to be a part of. But then, you know, I really, my day-to-day there wasn't as aggressive as it was during that that previous period. And I was just kind of addicted to that pace and that velocity. And so I quit and left without that exact idea of what I was going to do next. And so I wasn't really tied to starting a company and, and being a CEO. I just knew that if I, time is the most valuable tool that I had. And I wanted to focus that on an area that would would tie to society in a a really big way. And honestly, um, I was exploring a lot of different areas and I was shadowing in an infertility clinic and hearing all of these conversations with patients between them and doctors and, and looking at so many different pockets within infertility. And it really just after hearing all of those conversations and after months of of research and just talking to so many smart, smart experts that that took the time to talk to me, it was this realization that the fertility information gap was the most actionable place that I could apply my skill set, build a company, build a team because the existing healthcare system today didn't have time to educate on fertility information and that 15-minute well-visit appointment. The existing education system today is focused on preventing pregnancy as opposed to planning for it. So how are people with ovaries going to get the tools that they need? There is an amazing, amazing opportunity for a company to play a role and partner with physicians in that upstream education process. And so it was really just this constant, I I kept coming back to like, where does this all start? And at a certain point, it was just 
yeah, invested uh, my savings to, to date and uh, yeah. And kicked it off. <laughs> had a, a certain number of months that I, I had before I had to go get a real job and it was off to the races. Oh girl, I know what that's like. I've been building Birth Story <laughs> Media for two years now. I could spend all day talking about what it's like to just throw yourself into the title of CEO and start building a company. I mean, it's like 10,000 times more work than just having a regular job. I have a question for you. How much did that test cost you that was out of pocket? So I had no idea. I thought that it was just going to be, you know, a couple hundred bucks max, maybe even be covered by a copay. I mean, when you go in to get a blood draw, you just don't think, I don't know, it's just, it's routine. I got a bill in the mail for $1,500 for that standard panel of tests. And I had no idea. And that was a, a huge part and an aha moment. And that just getting proactive fertility information about your hormones, that should not be $1,500. So that was a huge part in starting Modern Fertility was that accessibility component, which by the way, was not a shared opinion among many of the investors that we talked to in the the early days. They did not believe we should be offering it at the cost we do today. Were they also investing in Blue Cross Blue Shield and Cigna? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I mean, I'll just put that, I don't want to piss off your investors, but I will just, you know, say that kindly. Well, we did. Um, All of our investors now are are great and really aligned with this concept that, you know, we see a world where every woman has access to this and how can we continue to reduce our, our cost structure over time? So, so yeah, that was, it was important for us and finding the right partners of that shared vision of the, the world that we were trying to create. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. So as a birth doula, I would say more than 50% of my clients have had a fertility journey because when they've spent 60, 70, $80,000 on IVF, IUI, fertility treatments later, because they didn't have this information earlier, what's another couple grand for a doula? I mean, they're like, yeah, we want to make sure that we have a great experience. Almost every IVF client I I mean, I've heard of at least has a doula on board. This is a very prevalent in my line of business. And through all of the episodes on the Birth Story podcast, you can hear the pain in these moms and the dads too. I mean, in the couples, the partners, it can just be a long, long, painful journey. I think the longest that I had interviewed for the podcast was a 10-year fertility journey with multiple losses. Mm. Where I'm getting with this is right now there is in North Carolina, Mrs. North Carolina. I interviewed her on the podcast and her platform is hashtag start asking. She was very young, a cheerleader at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She had PCOS like you and didn't have access to any of these tests and then found herself in a long, long, long fertility journey. And so she is right on board with you in this hashtag start asking movement. This is a long way of saying like, do you have a social movement like that? Like, is there a hashtag you would prefer that we're like spreading the news about? Yeah, you know, I want to get on board with with that movement. You know, I think so much, and I, I love that you took the conversation here because I think so much of what we're trying to do at Modern Fertility is, is use social media meet women where they are. We actually just launched pregnancy and ovulation tests and went live in 1500 Walmart stores all across the US. And so now when you're going down the aisle in Walmart, you can grab an ovulation test or a pregnancy test off the the shelf, incredibly accessibly priced uh, relative to all of the other brands in the the category. 
And you get free education and information alongside that, access to a community, free AMAs, all of these resources and, and blogs. And so this concept of whether it's social media, whether it's Walmart, whether it's blog articles of, of just meeting women where they are with a campaign that really resonates, like that is what it's all about. So our team will have to follow up and, and maybe we should get on top of that hashtag. But yeah, I mean, you started out talking about social media and that's how you you found us. And for us, that is such a win. It was important for us that when we were marketing modern fertility, we were doing that in a way that provided education and was of service to women. We would never use scare tactics. We wouldn't tell you that you're on a, a clock and um, just use scare tactics to push you towards a, a procedure or in a direction that might not be right for you. It's all about trusting women and empowering them with information so that they have that to make the decisions that are right for them. And so I think that this idea of asking questions is so powerful because it's, it's realizing that as a, a person with ovaries, you're in the driver's seat. Like Nobody's going to ask these questions for you. You have to really take on that advocacy and understand your body, your timeline, and your choices. Do you want kids or not? And how does age and all of these other factors play a role in it? And so I think that that's a, a really powerful way to, to start the conversation. Yeah. Well, I think... So her name's Nichelle Sublet. I think she would be really excited to just see your products on the yeah. shelf with a brand at Walmart that then everyone is seeing again reinforced on social media. So it's so much more than like a hashtag or a conversation. It really is seeing those products on the shelf as well as getting affordable access to them online. A really cool part about your business often is when someone goes to your website, modernfertility.com, and they put in their email address, you're actually really transparent. You're emailing every single person that wants to look at it your own fertility report. Can you talk to me about what it's like to just be that vulnerable to the whole world on something pretty intimate and what your own response was when you received your own results? Like, can you walk me through like how you felt about what you saw? So it was really important to me that if we were kind of beating this drumbeat of bringing fertility into mainstream wellness, telling women that, you know, you should be empowered to talk about your fertility like you do any other aspect of your, your health. It was important for me in the way that, that I live my life as I like to, I think actions speak louder than words. And so I think the idea of, of putting my personal fertility hormone results on our website, it, it really didn't faze me. I, I think it was just like, oh, of course, <laughs> this is what we would do. But what's really cool is that if you go to our website and you enter your, your email to get that report, it comes from my email address. And so if you respond to that report, I get an email from you in my inbox. And I'm not the, the most efficient at responding, but I try as hard as I can to respond to every single message and, and person that emails me. And I think that that was so much a, a part of creating Modern Fertility and that we wanted to create something that was dynamic, where we could get questions, where we could get compliments, we could get criticism, and we could use all of those things to be better. Because better for us is just having this conversation on a, a bigger level. And so that, that to me, it, just everything is a, a win. Yeah, back to my, my own results. So as I was going through and getting my fertility hormones tested at an infertility clinic, I got diagnosed with PCOS. And so I, it was crazy because at that infertility clinic, the doctor told me that I would never be able to get pregnant na naturally. But it was okay because they could help with that. 
And I, this was before I had started Modern Fertility. This was before I, it had been years since I had, you know, been in the weeds on all of the, the science aspects of this. And that, that statement just, it caught me totally off guard. I had no idea what it meant. I didn't know what PCOS was. I wasn't taking hormonal contraception and I did have a very irregular period with some anovulatory cycles. And I wasn't counseled that if you know you have multiple anovulatory cycles, that an unbound estrogen in your uterus can be quite dangerous in terms of cancer and, and other conditions. And so in continuing my research, I was just so shocked at the way that that conversation happened. I was very grateful to have that, that diagnosis and to be able to, to think ahead ultimately and, and think through my, my, my fertility plan. But I just, I couldn't believe that that was the, the status quo in, in San Francisco. And so I, I think my own journey, our team and, and friends asked me, you know, how much was that PCOS diagnosis a part of starting monofertility? And, you know, the story is, it didn't really even come up for the first year. I don't think I told our team uh, or just anyone that that had been a part of the process because to me, it was so much more powerful that these women were raising their hands and saying, I want all of this information. I understand that hormones can enable me to have a conversation about PCOS with my doctor or POI with my doctor and all of these other things. That to me was like 10X more important than my own personal fertility story. But I also realized that every story, as you've done with, with your, your podcast and platform, is just so important and, and personalizing these journeys and risk and helping empower women with, with a toolkit to really you know, figure out what stories resonate and, and move the needle and, and can provide that, that action plan to, to take that next step. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think this even goes back to like sex education which is also a big failure in our country, but like sex education very early on in life. Like imagine a world where women are raised to talk about their anatomy, their sexuality, their gender, their fertility, all prior to engaging in like a relationship with either their future partner or choosing to become a parent or choosing not to become a parent all on their own. So like, there's just a lot of power here. The reality is for my clients that I work with is that they are still being told to wait 12 months of trying. I mean, like we, and it's, it's like all by men too. Like we love having sex 500 times a month to get pregnant and then bleeding and then crying and then doing it all over again for 12 months. So like I very much on this podcast have been very clear and now I'm going to change my message that I'm always like, if you have been trying for more than three or four months, please go to your doctor and tell them you don't care. Now I'm going to be like, please go to your doctor and have you taken the modern fertility test? Let's start. How about let's start there. If you're even listening to the podcast, let's start there. Maybe you are looking to get pregnant again, right? Just because we've been fertile on the first baby doesn't mean that we're not going to have some kind of journey, fertility journey on subsequent children. Your AMH levels will decline over time. That is it, AMH. Um, gosh, there was this this physician that uh, this is not my quote. It's it's hers. Um, she said, "Always meandering hormone, but it's going to meander down <laughs> over time." And so, if you are you know a certain age and you want X number of kids, and then you think through the inner birth interval between every kid, if you get a C section, how that's going to push things out. It just it's it's math and. 
I think this idea of just empowering yourself upfront with that information before you start to try, if you are trying, information just if, if you are open to it can help. Those data points can help. It's totally up to you to design that journey. This can just be one, one part of it. Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. Well, a couple more just really like interesting questions that I have is on age, right? So I'm 40. I don't know when to tell this, but I'm 42 and still haven't gone through menopause, right? So I'm still fertile. And then you've got, I have a sister who's 26 years old, right? Both of us are in your target audience, right? What information is a 26-year-old going to get from modern fertility versus a 35-year-old? versus a 42-year-old? Because I think that there's relevant information for all stages of their fertility lifespan, if you will. And so could you just talk a little bit about what an expectation might be for someone who's very young, maybe not partnered, not even thinking about fertility, 35, partnered or not partnered, but choosing parenthood. And then maybe someone like me who's like, "Mm, how fertile am I still? Because I don't want to have any more kids. Oh my gosh. I, I love this. And, you know, in, in starting modern fertility, it was really this realization that there are only 500 infertility clinics in the U S there are only 2000 reproductive endocrinologists that have done that separate spe- subspecialty and endocrinology on top of their OBGYN residency to, to focus on, you know, what these hormones mean. And it's a, it's a math problem in terms of those 2000 doctors getting this information out to women of all ages, whether they are trying to conceive or or not. And so what we did at Modern Fertility is we built out, we, we basically combined science and technology to deliver a conversation to women. Like you are talking to your best friend that also happened to be an OBGYN that would be able to personalize all of this information to you for your age. The way that we do that on the back end is we have a, a content management system that basically is able to customize every word of every sentence in the digital reports that we create to be based on your hormone results, your age, and your self-reported medical information. And so what that means is that women in their 20s are getting very different information from modern fertility than women in their 30s who are getting very different information than women that are in their 40s because the realities are that these, these hormones just mean different things at different ages. And so within our experience, we will have different windows for trying to conceive and talking to your doctor. We will have different levels of education about where your egg quality is at at different ages. And so all of this is customized just based on your age. And it's meant to really 
give you the toolkit to have that more informed conversation with your doctor. Right now, is modern fertility solely focused on female fertility? So right now, uh, we decided to start with what was the hardest and what was the most under-researched. So in building out the modern fertility test kit, we basically validated that a traditional blood draw could be used interchangeably with a finger stick. And then we published the results of that in the American Academy for Obstetrics and Gynecology, ACOG's Green Journal, mm-hmm. their core publication. We presented on the stage at American Society for Reproductive Medicine. That review article was later reviewed by the New England Journal of Medicine. So it was really, how do we take this really, really intense clinical focus, build out our medical advisory board, all of the experts that are focused on female fertility hormones, because studying those in a fertile patient population was just a a massive gap. And no one was focused on, on doing that in a comprehensive way. And our hope was that if we were able to study this, if we were able to provide this this ease of access to so many women, we could also enable them to consent to have their anonymized data used in peer-reviewed research. And so what we're doing now is we think as of now, we have the largest longitudinal database in the, the world of fertile women and infertile women, but basically understanding how all of these different life factors and fertility hormones can tie to our hope is to to use these to predict fertility in better ways. So any woman that comes in is not just getting these results for her, but also helping future generations of, of women to learn from all of this information. And so what that meant is it required an insane amount of focus for us to hire full-time experts that would be spending every hour of every day just focused on this information. But what's really interesting is that we have so many women and customers saying, hey, what about my partner? Or hey, what about if you look at our pregnancy and ovulation test, what pregnancy test should I buy? And so we get to spend a ton of time as the team just learning from our our community and understanding what are their favorite products? What are the pros and cons of the existing solutions that are out there? We have uh, some some new products on the horizon that we're, we're really excited about as well. I love it. I was gonna say, I know you probably can't talk about your pipeline, But I do want to be careful in this interview to make sure that I at least say to my audience, because I know that modern fertility is going, they are growing, they are doing, there are really huge things to come. But the message that I hear a lot from my doula clients is there's a little bit of like a blame or guilt or shame primary on female. And so I just need all listeners to know that Afton and I both know this is a 50-50 game, right? Like we don't want women to put, we want women to take ownership and be empowered and get all of this knowledge. But we also want that for the men out there too. So like, that's a really just important like side note. I think we need to leave with listeners is that if you are late to the game, meaning not part of the solution that Apton has created, right? You're 38 years old. You've been in a long fertility or a long journey to get pregnant. You're just finding out for the first time that you have fertility complications because you didn't have access to the resources in your 20s like a company like Modern Fertility is providing. And the first thing that you do is put blame on yourself, right? Like it's really important at that stage of life to test both partners. I could not agree more. And I think, um, you know, you asked about how our reports and results customize, you know, recommendations. We have a, a new feature that's in beta called the plan. And we customize it based on your age, but also your 
desires, whether you're in a same-sex partnership, heterosexual relationship, whether you're trying to conceive solo or not trying to conceive at all and preventing pregnancy. And what we do is we build out that plan and recommended next steps of how you should be thinking about every component of the journey. So whether that's thinking through carrier surface testing for at-risk populations there and thinking through risk profiles for chromosomal abnormalities, whether that's if you have the ability to get a proactive sperm test when you're going into this process in the same way that you would get a modern fertility hormone test, we, we build out all of the recommendations and just have like a, a simple checklist to, to think through. Awesome. Thank you so much for building a company that's also thinking about genetics. Another thing that frustrates me in my profession is that my clients don't start thinking about chromosomal things until after they're pregnant. And then they go for these screenings. I'm like, we really need to be having this conversation proactively. It sounds like modern fertility is really building out that plan for your customers. So I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing often. So let's go to my sister who's 26 years old. She would be in a same-sex partnership. And so fertility is like, you know, you know, looks a little bit different for conception. I think she's really key to your target audience. If she were to go to modern fertility, Number one, how much is this going to cost her? And number two, what steps do you want her to take after she receives her results? I love this. Okay. So she goes to modernfertility.com. Our test today costs $159. Thank you for making this about 10% of the cost of the out-of-pocket expense for going to a lab. Well done. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It was really important for us to just get economies of scale with this testing, make it accessible to half the population and then pass on as many savings as we could to our customers. And so 159, it is FSA and HSA eligible. So if you have health spending account or a flexible spending account, you can purchase it through those accounts. And so that can give you an extra deduction. And then for $159, we test between two and eight hormones, dependent on the type of hormonal birth control, if any, that you're taking. We offer a one-on-one consult with a fertility nurse for free uh, are included in the $159 price point. So Mm -hmm. if you get access to all of these reports and you still have questions, you you have that backup line of of defense and can talk to an an expert to get more information. We also include a weekly webinar that we call an IGNR. So let's say you like listening to podcasts instead of uh, reading all of these reports. It's kind of this live interactive Q&A way that you can dig in with a group of of other customers and and anonymously ask questions to a fertility nurse. It also comes with access to our community of modern women where you can talk and and communicate with 10,000 other women that also are are thinking through and making similar or different life choices than, than you are. And so all of this is the modern fertility experience. And you have unlimited lifelong access to, to all, of the, the, all of the things from there. I love it. Okay, so then she, she pays $159. She swipes her HSA card. She gets her results. Now, what do you want her to do next? Yeah, so Modern Fertility was created to really empower her to have that informed conversation with her doctor. So there's no diagnosis that we can make off just your hormones alone. But what we can do is help you understand for your age, for your self-reported results, what those hormones are and what they mean. And so you can go in and have that conversation with your doctor and really be an advocate for your own health. And so that combined with our doctor discussion guide, combined with our plan, that is that checklist for thinking through next steps, it can help her think about what to do from there. Last year for ASRM, we focused um, and did a lot of LGBTQ research. 
and really kind of diving into our customer base and extended LGBTQ community. We partnered with the dating app Her to really understand how we could be doing better to serve the LGBTQ community and their unique needs. And we're constantly um, working to improve our product and focus more on the LGBTQ population as well. Awesome. Okay. This is awesome, Afton. I just love your commitment to the LGBTQ community as well as to women. And I want to turn back personally though. So like you're in your 20s, clearly had like this background in neuroscience and business and all these really unique experiences that brought you to modern fertility. And now you're building this company. So what do your results mean for you? And you mentioned that you're partnered and you have a fiance. Are you planning to have children? Yeah. You know, I was just chatting with someone earlier today and I was like, you know, between my, my puppy and modern fertility, I have, I have two babies right now. I don't know if I can take another one, but you know, I think especially amidst COVID and scrolling through my Instagram and realizing that I think 80 to to 99% of my friends right now are are all uh, pregnant or trying. It's quite top of mind. For me personally, I am uh, a few years away from starting a, a family of my own, but I think what was really interesting is that, you know, starting this company, getting my fertility hormones tested and just understanding more about what my journey would be like, at least I am a little bit more prepared. Uh, So not something that I am building towards now, but uh, ask me again, we can do a a reunion podcast in in a couple of years. No, but your answer (laughs) often is actually like perfect for the example of why modern fertility is so important, right? You are able to make the statement confidently, like maybe in a few years, because you actually know what the future likely from a science perspective looks like with a diagnosis of PCOS and with your results. So like imagine a 31-year-old sitting in front of me right now saying that same thing, and I've got daggers through the heart like, oh, girl, like, don't wait too long. Like, do you, you know, I don't want you to wait. And then it's a six-year fertility journey because of the egg quality. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no test for egg quality today. And I think that you're right in bringing age into that discussion. And there is no total predictor of, are you going to be successful getting pregnant or not? Like the reality is the science just isn't there yet. But where the science is, we have better predictors of future fertility than just age. They're not a total guarantee but they're a starting point. And even just having those hormone levels, having information, having tools. Uh, If you go to modernfertility.com, you can put in your current age, the age that you want to have your first or next kid, the number of kids that you want, and it will just tell you natural pregnancy rates uh, without IVF, just what your success rates look like. And the crazy part is I wanted that information. I wanted it for myself and thinking through my own timeline and I couldn't get it. No doctor knew off the top of their head what my odds were or what the odds were for 31-year-old women across the board. And so we went out, we looked at all of the literature and we built it ourselves. And so that's really what modern fertility is all about. It's answering the questions that we ourselves want for ourselves, for our sisters, for our coworkers, for our friends, for our daughters of just how can we make this entire process better and place less of a burden on women? And so I, I wholeheartedly believe that information is the first step. And just opening up this conversation is, is maybe even step zero beyond that. And so hearing this podcast, telling your friends about it, talking about proactive fertility information as a part of just wellness. Talk about it like a beauty product. 
of just something that is just a a part of conversation. All of that is just, it's such a, a win for women. Yeah. What about preserving your fertility? Is there anything in your reports? Like, let's imagine case study, 34 year old single woman who's cisgender, heterosexual, and is very interested and is on every dating app trying to find love. But that may or may not happen for a couple of years. Then you've got, you know, let's date for a little while. Then let's get married. Let's settle in our life. And now that 34-year-old is really looking at conceiving around 40. Is there anything in that modern fertility test at 34 years old that might be able to guide that 34-year-old looking for love into direction about preserving her fertility versus, you know, planning for maybe more of a natural conception? Yeah, that is a great question. And I think so much of the discussion today and conversation about fertility automatically skips to egg freezing and fertility preservation, as opposed to you know, figuring out what are the questions that we should ask up front to be able to have a, a really informed and structured conversation about fertility preservation and what those options look like. So I personally think egg freezing is amazing. I think it's an incredible procedure, but I also believe that it is not the the right procedure for all women. It's very invasive. It's very expensive. It's quite time consuming. And so understanding upfront the realities of the procedure across the board, but also understanding how you personally can benefit from it is really important. And so Anti-malarian hormone, AMH, is one of the key indicators in helping you understand what your success would be in egg freezing or IVF. So basically, if we go into the science for a second, AMH, it's secreted by the follicles that surround the cells uh, in your, your ovaries. And so basically, AMH is a proxy of how many eggs you have in your ovaries. And so by measuring your AMH levels and understanding for your age, if they are very low, low, normal, or high, can be a proxy of your success and how many eggs you might retrieve in egg freezing or IVF. And based on your age, which corresponds with egg quality, there's kind of a, a target number of eggs that you should be looking to collect that would correspond with one birth down the line. And so basically, by understanding your AMH levels up front, it can help you start to, to think through, are you a good candidate for IVF? or egg freezing, how many cycles of egg freezing do you need to pay for in order to um, have a chance of achieving your family planning goals and those types of discussions. And so I really think that modern fertility is just that that easy step one to, to start the conversation and put you in the driver's seat of, of starting to think through all of these things. Awesome. I love everything. I swear, I wish I was like a VC with a ton of money and I would be like, here you go, Afton, I'm in. If you ever have an IPO, like I'm in. So before we conclude our time together, I really feel like this was just really so beneficial for my audience. You know, maybe you'll be able to share it with some people on your side in the future too. I just, anyone that could get a hold of listening to you and hearing about modern fertility is really just gonna change the way women grow up, really. So you mentioned you were scrolling through your Facebook and Instagram feeds and your socials and a lot of your friends are pregnant right now. So we always conclude every podcast with what's your favorite baby product. But in your case, it would be what would be your favorite, and you can't name your own product, by the way, but like what's your favorite gift to give right now to someone who is pregnant? Oh, that's a great question. So actually, uh, one of our friends of the, the company, Dr. Oh gosh, I'm going to look up his Instagram right now. Edu, who's a reproductive endocrinologist at UCSF, 
just wrote an amazing children's book on IVF. I kid you not, I ordered like five copies and I just have a stack for them because I think it's so important for kids, whether they were an IVF baby or not, whether their parents are talking to them about that for them or not, just to to understand all of that. It's the world that we live in. And I think he did such a great job with it. It's H-A-R-I-T-O-N-M-D, Harriton M-D uh, is his Instagram. And you can just go on there and, and find the book. It's on Amazon, but I am obsessed and would highly recommend it. Awesome. And we will definitely link to it in the show notes. So Afton, thank you so much for spending some time with me and answering all these questions about fertility. And I hope that this conversation is just one that moves the needle forward in this area. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. You, your listeners are, are so lucky to have you kind of diving into to all of these topics. This, this really made my week. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 